When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Love Tennis Podcast with me, James Gray, and George Belshaw of Metro.co.uk. George is back from Madrid, and I'd love to say that he's tanned, but because he's ginger and... Pe- no, you're just freckly, George. They're just freckles, I'm afraid. I hate to break it to you. Bronze God. <laughs> you are many things. That is not one of them. Enjoy yourself. I did. My journey back's not been so good. Oh, you were Ryan airing so, back. Yeah, I've got my suitcase with me. I was meant to be back about four hours ago mm. and got back about an hour ago. So did, were was... you on the tarmac for a long time? No. That's my they always... just didn't let us in originally. Oh. So that we were all queued up to get on and then they said, oh, actually, the plane's not working. Oh, then okay, fine. It's an hour and a half. It ended up being about two and a half hours. And here we a are. likely story. Uh, but you were not delayed because of the tennis, which is generally good news. No. It could, didn't rain an extra day and you weren't delayed by that. So no. that's the final was done actually in double time because Novak Djokovic swept aside Stefan Tsitsipas in what was a pretty one-sided encounter, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean... Sissipas kind of just looked on his last legs by the end. He obviously had that kind of heroic effort against Nadal in the semi-finals, um, where he played a fabulous match. Um, but it, as we've said time and time again, it's so difficult to back up a win like that against another another one of them. And particularly when Sissipas has come straight from Estoril, where he's won the title and been playing doubles as well. Mm. So then come and play doubles in Madrid, get to the semi-finals of doubles in Madrid, play that doubles match to 1am after a three-setter with Zverev, then go back out and play another three-setter with Rafa, and then be expected to come back and beat Novak. Uh, it's just not going to happen, really. But nevertheless, a good run for him, as you say. You're beating Rafa Nadal on clay, you're in pretty select group there, having just beaten Zverev. Much as obviously... I mean, had he gone and beaten Djokovic, he would have gone three seed, two seed, one seed to win the title, which would have been unbelievable. What have You've obviously seen a lot of Stefan Sissipas and kind of a bit of his origin story this, this summer because you've obviously been out to Motogli and the rest of it. What have you seen in his game on clay that's new, if anything? I think the most impressive thing about him, and this is pretty much purely from the Rafa match, actually, when you were looking at that as a matchup, you, 
because I think when you're looking at players on clay, you're thinking, how are they going to beat Rafa if they're going to win the French Open? I mean, yeah. that's the that's the baseline. That's you know, what what have you it's got about your game that's going to do it? it? Yeah. Right. Now, normally, players with a one-handed backhand struggle against Rafa because particularly right-handers because you realistically you want to be going through his forehand on the other side and if he's allowed to push you back on that side it, it becomes very difficult but what Sissipas was doing so well and to be fair Madrid probably suited him a little bit more on this with the kind of faster higher bounce just taking it so high so early and getting it right back deep into the opposite corner now he's also said, quite tall which he's helps. also tall he's strong he's physical he's got a lot about him he wasn't afraid to go to the net to mix it up Rafa didn't have his best day, and Rafa kind of said, "Look, if I was playing as well as I could, I'd beat this guy no problem." But I think that it's quite a punchy thing. That to is say, a punchy it? thing to say, but you know, is he wrong? I don't know. Well, well I don't know. It just <laughs> seems like a bit of a sore loser thing to come out and say, "Yeah, well, obviously I'd beat this bloke like on a normal day." That just seems quite punchy to me. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Just seems like a bit much. Uh, but the final itself, as we say, I think you know, Cici Pass was done. His legs had gone the exhaustion of everything that he'd had to do but he's made pro- huge steps forward on clay and that i mean that's very promising for what is now shaping up to be a pretty tasty french open isn't it yeah it should be uh, pretty fantastic i think i mean we'll see what happens in rome by the time this podcast hits the air rafa could be back on form and just looking utterly brilliant again you know i don't think he's a million miles away from being at his top level but this is the first time we've got to this stage of a season where he's not won a clay title since 2004. Mm. So, you know, alarm bells are perhaps ringing for him. But more importantly, the door just feels wide open and Novak Djokovic feels like the man who's going to storm through it. You said you thought Djokovic, and he, I think, said as much that he was playing his best tennis since the Australian Open, that yeah. he'd been out of rhythm since then. Anything to attribute that to? I, I think ultimately it's just, for him a bit more being mentally locked in like I know I don't think he was there in the kind of hard court swing I just don't think he was that bothered and and by not bothered I don't mean he turned up thinking oh I don't really give a toss about this but it, it's that kind of one percent that really changes him when he's really really locked in hmm. he won't lose to anyone and I feel now he's kind of got that level where he kind of feels like right I'm going to go ahead and win this I wouldn't be surprised to see him storm to the final in Rome next week I think his draw looks quite good it's that air of invincibility both yeah. on both sides of the net I think crucially it's not only him believing he's invincible it's the other player picking up on that and, and seeing and hearing yeah. and feeling the other things and you know we we always go on about how good his backhand is but it's actually his forehand when that's firing and he's controlling the game and dictating with it that makes him that extra level above because he's always going to be good on the defensive backhand but as soon as you see him out there confident enough to kind of almost run around it hmm. use that forehand guide and he, he was just mucking Sissy Pass around really like Sissy Pass says I I know he knew I was tired and he was toying with me and he was running kind of like Bambi on ice at the back of the court not knowing which way to go hmm. um, it was very very good from Djokovic and just another sign I think He's very much on for these four majors. So the thing, just to mention on that forehand-backhand thing, is the backhand is a kind of, oh, you're playing at a very high level, but I can keep making you do that because he can flick that back. Whereas the forehand is something you see so much more when he's controlling matches, I think. Yeah. You know, when he's on the front foot, you see a lot more of that big unfurled forehand. It just seems to work better. And the forehand, I think, has more potential to go wrong. Aside from the backhand down the line, which is the shot that, you know, is such a fine error shot. Mm. You know, because you're going that, over the high side of the net. Exactly. You know, that can not work as well, but I think the forehand typically 
isn't as obviously good as it was against Sissipas. Well, I think you look at it, you know, without wanting to get too mechanical about it, you look at Djokovic's forehand and there is more to go wrong. Like, it's it's a bigger stroke. There, There is more that can... There's so much hand action going on in the pod today. You miss out on yeah, this because... It, because it, you should because, start filming the hand yeah, action. Yeah, maybe. Well, <laughs> that sounds very dodgy yeah. indeed. I'm definitely going to record that and use it for other measures. Um, but yeah, there just looks like there's more to go wrong. But as you say, it's not going wrong at the moment. You mentioned the door being wide open at the French Open because Rafa doesn't have a title. Do you think we might as well move on to it now? Do you think that's relevant? Um, I think if he if he doesn't get to the final in Rome this week, and and let's be honest, he's due to meet Dominic Team in the quarters. So the, there's a good chance. I mean, teams whose area of invisibility on clay has also vanished. Yeah, I mean, you think? Well, to a certain extent. I mean, that was close. Well, and he two, lost. Two. He lost to Dusan Lejovic as well, who yeah. obviously had a good run. But yeah, the, yeah, you yeah. can't rule these things out. No, I I, I think Team. Team people will be looking at from Barcelona realistically. So he's mm. he's beaten Rafa in Barcelona. He's lost two very very tight tiebreak sets to Novak, and I think on another day, Team wins that match. Novak was not quite at the level he was in the the matches after, mm. um, and I think again that was just a match that Novak kind of like when he played Rafa in the semi-finals of Wimbledon last year. As soon as he won that. You knew, right, he's about to go on a huge run here because mm. that was the kind of confidence-boosting win. He said he felt team was the favourite coming into it. you know. So, But also that does speak volumes of team, that the fact he is a favourite coming into a match with Novak like that. So I, I still view him, obviously, inside the top three. I think one of team Nadal and Djokovic will win the French. I don't mm. think that's that outrageous to say. No, I'd it's be, not. I'd I mean, be amazed to see like anyone else. 98% of the odds, yeah. I would suspect. So you think that the Nadal lack of titles means what? Well, I think if, if he were to lose to team in Rome this week, I think Djokovic goes into the French Open as the clear favourite. Mm. If Djokovic is then winning that title, okay, if team beats him in the final again, you know, you'd, you'd put them on a par. But I think given Djokovic's Grand Slam experience, you'd have to say he would be the favourite. I, I mean, it's so difficult though, isn't it? Because all these conditions do vary so much on the clay that it, it is really hard to take it from one week to the next and say and make big sweeping generalizing statements i mean a title for djokovic in madrid is pretty irrelevant actually in terms of winning at roland garros the only thing that's not irrelevant about it is the mental side of it and that belief you know people a looking at him as you were saying you know that air of invincibility right novak can win titles on clay again big titles Mm. you know he, he will go to roland garros thinking I can win this and he's won the last three Grand Slams so he knows what he's doing and you know that sort of experience just makes him so dangerous Uh, but Rafa knows what he's doing as well and while I don't I don't necessarily think he's in his best shape at the minute he's still got two weeks to get ready for the French and he has been typically improving I mean the match he played against Favrinka the quarterfinals was the best he's played this season on clay bar none Mm. And he didn't play that badly against the team in Barcelona either. So the, there are signs there, but he's a confidence player, Rafa. And we've seen when his confidence goes away, he can struggle for long periods. We've achieved something amazing, George. We've gone 10 minutes without mentioning the name Roger Federer. And we will wow. do so again in a moment. We do have to talk about Roger Federer because he's playing on clay. It's kind of it's a real throwback, actually. See, Just seeing Roger going out and playing on red clay, it, it, it looks like something out of the, you know, the mid 2000s it's very very strange you obviously got the chance to see him up close i assume you saw all eight sets of roger federer in madrid what do you make of it yeah i, I saw a lot of it one, one of them I, 
I was actually out for quite a lot of it doing an interview, mm. so that was... Good, well done. Thanks, so, George. Cheers for your good. expert opinion, as always. <laughs> but, I, but I caught a lot of his practices as well, yeah. so I saw a bit of a kind of transition. Incidentally, the draw for him is perfect, like Gasquet and then Monfils, partly playing Gasquet, who's so much like Dan Evans, <laughs> and who he hit with Dan Evans a lot. Yeah. That obviously just feels like perfect prep. Almost planned. Um, I'm not suggesting anything about the Madrid draw, <laughs> but like that's a group of players. All right, he eventually ran into team, but you would say Gasquet and Monfi, they are matchups he would maybe have. Normally, I mean, normally you'd think actually Monfils is a weird one for him. I, I think I was really kind of taken aback when I looked at their head to head. It was something like seven four going into that or eight four. And okay, like it was closer than I was expecting. Um, but Monfils obviously had two match points as well in that match and that was a really kind of worrying but i feel like i feel like federer would have wanted to be pushed in this i don't i don't feel there's any point in federer going winning three matches two and four and then getting knocked out in his first big game like i feel like he needed proper tune-up matches you know to use a boxing terminology I, i i think i would much rather have seen him do that than turn up win three easy matches and get beaten yeah i mean how, it's, how valuable is it for him to win easy matches on clay? No, it's not. Um, I suppose, but I think he'll have benefited from the time on court, mm. getting through longer matches. I think what we're the problem with Roger is that these were quite long matches on this fast clay, where his serve can get him out of trouble a lot. Yeah. I'm not so convinced that's going to happen in in Paris. I'm, I'm a bit apprehensive about his chances in. Paris, to be honest. I mean, Why? he's got Rome this week where he can maybe have another run. But Well, that's what, yeah, he, so he took a late decision to play Rome, right? Yeah, so he didn't pull out of the draw, so he just left himself in the entry list, and then the draw was made while he was losing to team. Right. And then he said after the match, I'm not sure if I will play or not, but I wanted to make the decision once I'd finished at Madrid, and then he's decided to, to have a stab at it. What um, does that tell you? I think it tells you that he needs more matches mm. before Paris, and you know, he's said lots of things about how he can play almost freely on clay this year. Like, it doesn't matter, like a free hit. But I didn't get the sense that was actually true when he was actually playing. I think, you know, he came in after the team match and he was pretty, you know, when you've lost having had match points, that's a pretty gutting feeling anyway. But, you know, there was a sense that he felt he could be winning that match and he could kind of go into it. I think the pressure... Coming that close to beating Dominic Team on clay will give him extra pressure in knowing that he his level's not that far away. But I I don't know. I don't think he played well against Team. That's the other thing I'd say. I think Team had a shocker of a first set, and then Federer stayed in that match on his serve and serve alone. And not to call him a serve bot, but it was there wasn't much else about his game that I thought, wow, Federer is playing brilliantly on the clay right now. I mean, now. he was ahead for a long time. He was like ahead. ahead in the game for a, yeah, yeah. I mean, forty nine percent of the match. Yeah. But that doesn't mean he's necessarily playing well, does it? I mean, team starts badly, then Federer serves his way through the first, and then team can't get through him in the second. I mean, that's that's what the serve is such a valuable asset in Madrid. But is it going to be that valuable in Roland Garros? Probably, because it is Roger Federer and he picks his spots really, really well. <laughs> but it but it won't be as valuable. Some and conspiracy I, theorist there. You know. <laughs> He's suggesting that Roger's basically going to he's been to Roland Garros six months ago and been like, right, this is. This is how we're going to prepare this surface. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'll come back if. Well, they're, they're, they're building the new stadium and stuff, aren't they, this year? So maybe they've installed a fast clay court just ah, so we can win it. If, the, if we really want to The Roger Federer area. Roland Garros court, <laughs> I see. Somehow, I don't think he will have that much input into it. 
Not a surprise winner in the men's draw, Novak Djokovic in Madrid, but a bit of a surprise winner from Kiki Burton's, at least once you'd looked at her draw, because I suspect that if she is the kind of person, and I actually seem to remember that she's not the kind of person who maps out her draw, but if she were, she would have gone, right, well, I've got to be Ostapenko, Sevastova, probably Kvitova, maybe Sloane Stevens, and then Simona Halep. Not an easy draw, and bang, Kiki Burton's wins the Madrid Open. Yeah, didn't drop a set either. I mean... This is a serious, serious clay player. Um, you know, on paper, I think she goes into the French Open right now as the second seed. Mm. The se- well, not the second seed, second favourite to win it behind Halep. And the only reason she's not the first favourite is because she's not got that Grand Slam experience. And, we're t- you know, we're talking about that with Novak a little while before. But for the women's game particularly, where I think, the big difference is, and I've heard a few of them say this in the past, it's actually that day break between every kind of match that's so different. Right. So they're not changing to a best of five format. It's no, obviously nothing like that, but it's the extra thoughts and pressure of thinking. Oh, really? Right. I've got an extra day before my semi final. All right. I've won that. I've got an extra day of pressure before my final. It would be a first Grand Slam final. Mm. You know, that, that sort of mental side of things is a really interesting way of looking at the difference between women's normal tennis and women's grand slam tennis so yeah i think i think she's playing great i think it's fantastic i mean there were there are some wonderful moments in that hallett match um where she was just breaks down and coming back she just seems to kind of have belief uh, christopher clary put out a great tweet actually um saying that he'd asked a dutch coach about 10 years ago saying um what's happening to all the dutch players where are they and the dutch journalist said back to him well We've got one good young girl, but I'm not sure she's got the head for it. And now... <laughs> I think she might have the head Suddenly, now. she's got it. She's world number four. My theory is if she does well in Rome and uh, the French Open, she's going to be world number one at the end of the clay court season. Uh, and the thing is that this is kind of Kiki Burton's thing. She gets on runs. You know, We saw it in Cincinnati last year <clears throat> when she beat Halep, well, Kvitova, Svitolina, Wozniacki all on the way to winning that tournament. Now, obviously, another fast tournament probably suits her a little bit more even than Madrid, but she's obviously got the kind of game which, on the big days, can see her go out and knock out the top players. And I sometimes wonder, that there are some players in the women's story you look at and you go, yeah, you're, you're great, you're decent, like you'll, you'll win a few matches, but you don't have the kind of game that can put you on this run. And the way the women's game is set up at the moment, you basically need to be the kind of player who can turn up for 10 days and just be shit hot and just, just absolutely go for it the whole time. She looks like that sort of player. Yeah, I think I think she is. And, you know, I think her serve is pretty impressive. Um, I think she's got good variety. She's very great mover on the clay. I mean, clay is her favourite surface, there's no doubt about that, um, which is why, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say she'll turn up at Wimbledon and be the favourite. But if she's got her head right at the French Open, I, I think she can go into it believing there's no one in this tour who can beat me on clay. Mm. And for I the record, she, she has been to a Wimbledon quarterfinal, right? Like last, yeah, like... I think, look, I'm not saying she won't win Wimbledon, but I'm saying the Roland Garros is where I look at her and I think you'll walk in there as one of the top top favourites. Mm. It's quite interesting to see, just, just flicking over her Grand Slam record, because I was sure she had been to a semi-final. She had French Open Foster Serena, three, didn't she? Yeah, three years ago. But she also had her best ever singles results at all the Grand Slams last year in 2018 and that suggests to me because players and I don't know whether it's different in the women's game and I remember 
our special men versus women which is coming out at some point <laughs> i promise it's just it's all sitting there ready to go but there is a difference in maturity in women it seems that physically women mature at a much different rate so you do see sometimes they come into the game at 19 and some of them are basically pro ready and some people take different ty- amounts of time to mature physically kiki burton's at 27 that's an age when often, especially in endurance games, you know, when you have to go on a bit longer, you don't get strong enough until you are in that late 20s. And I just wonder whether all of a sudden she's starting to move into a period of her life physically when she is just better than she used to be. Yeah, I guess you could compare that to Stan Wawrinka mentally as well. You mm. know, this kind of late bloomer. I mean, her situation is quite similar in many ways to Wawrinka in the sense that she spent most of her career in the shadow of Serena Williams. Mm. Now, I'm not saying she was the one just behind Serena the whole time, but Stan was never really world number three the whole time. He often kind of languished around the 20s mm. uh, until that kind of run in Australia. Um, and it, it does feel a little bit similar for Bursons. I'm, I'm still not convinced necessarily that she will go to the French Open and just walk through and win it. I, I, you know, I as I was kind of saying before, I do think there's a difference mentally between a WCA tour event and a Grand Slam. But saying that, she seems to be making all the right steps. You know, Cincinnati's a big tournament. Madrid's a slightly bigger tournament than that. You know, Premier mandatory. N- next step, that's a Grand Slam. Does it come this year? Does it come next year? Year after? Whatever. But she's got a lot about her. She'll fancy her chances of being world number one as well. That may even cause her more problems because <laughs> there'll be more pressure. Yeah. You know, all of this kind of coming together at once. But I think she can put herself into a position to win the French Open. And that's a huge compliment to her because there are going to be a lot of guys out there who could go on and win it. Mm. Serena Williams, of course, is back in action in Rome this week, I believe. Yes. Possibly even as we speak. She's played today. She's won Okay, uh, good. against Rebecca Peterson. I was just going to check if Venus had started and won yet. So Venus is currently winning against Elise Merton. So if she wins, she plays Serena next. Oh, okay, fun. But uh, So by the time the pod's out, you'll know either way. What uh, What's their head-to-head like on clay? Ooh. How do you not have that stat I, well, in your back pocket? Actually, do you know what? I I, did, I haven't looked it up, but I feel like they've not met on clay since something ridiculous like 2003 or 2 or 1 or something. Interesting. And I think they've only played like a couple of times like, and not since then. Well, you're half right, George. hate to break it to you. Uh, 2013 is the last time they met on clay. Oh, no. Yeah, they played at the Charleston Open, the semi-finals there. They played three times in all on clay. 1998. 2002 at Roland Garros in the final, of course, and then in 2013. Oh, maybe it was at the French Open they'd only met since yeah, 2002. Yeah, quite possibly. But still, three times was that was three back, times. So, yeah, you got that right. So, Serena yeah. won the the more two recent, the two more recent ones, and Venus won the first one. Uh, the last time they met on clay, actually, Serena won one and two in 54 minutes. So we hope it's not as one sided as that because it would be a bit of a spectacle. Um, what what do you make of Serena at the moment? There's not much to make of her, is there, really? I mean, well, she's played really once. Her. <laughs> I was flying. Of so. course you were. <laughs> um, apparently, she, I mean, I read a couple of reports on it, and she apparently started a bit slowly, but came through. I mean, she beat Peterson, I think, in Miami, uh, mm. before she then pulled out off the top of my head. Um, Promising, at least, that she's fit. <laughs> yeah. Ish. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's all relative these days to Serena. I feel like she's just become one of those people who's playing injured almost all the time. Yeah, well, I put out a, a piece while I was in Madrid on Sissy Pass that included some comments from Muratoglu on her in general. Um, and it was really interesting sitting down and chatting to him because he's obviously, 
she's in this new stage of her career where family's first and she's got all her other business interests on. I don't think she's necessarily put... Well, I, I know she's not putting the time into tennis like she was mm. in the past. But, you know, more probably still kind of said Serena still wants to win this Grand Slams and she's not just a good person. She's great. She's an all-time great. Yeah. Don't ever rule these people out. And I think, you know, that's so true. Like, for all the world, Serena doesn't feel ready to challenge her at the French Open. I think she can get herself in a position to win Wimbledon. Right now, looking at the French Open, I'd say she's got like a a, a pretty low percentage chance of winning it for her. Mm. Um, but let's be honest, when she gets on a court against, you know, half the people on that tour, probably 90% of that tour, she's still got such a fear factor that, you know, people will lose before they go out there. Or even if they go out and play a blinder, can they actually get over the line and win that match? And that, you know, that's where Serena's strength lies as much as anything is that she's never going to give up. She's never going to roll over. Um, but fitness is just a huge question for her at the minute. Mm. It's undeniable. And I think that that is the problem. Probably even in her mind and even in that she knows everything about her body, there are going to be times when she goes out and just goes, well, I don't really know what's going to happen today. And actually the real champions, people like her, they're able to block that out and just just go right. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just assume it's fine because there's no point in thinking. Well, my leg might go here, or she's had like a bicep injury. I think that's been troubling her as well. Is it a pectoral, something like that? You know, you can't think about that because if you're all of a sudden winding up to hit a forehand and you're thinking, oh, there is that little string that sometimes pings just there. You're done. You're absolutely done. That hesitation and it's just going to absolutely kill your game. So if she can put all that out of her mind. And yeah, it's it's maybe a little bit of potluck about whether her body goes on the Tuesday of the second week. Yeah, <clears throat> I think just the kind of final thing on on her is, um, oh, I just completely lost my train of thought. Then oh, is that, well, there's a uh, on the clay. So on the clay, compared to say the grass, you know, the grass she'll be able to finish points quite quickly. She'll be able to really dictate off the surface stuff. You know, the clay stands to reason to be a pretty a longer, tougher affair on her body. Mm. Um, obviously, had this knee problem. If she's not confident changing direction with that, then it's not the surface you want to not be at your kind of physical best to kind of cover the court. And when you're watching Halep and Burton's, for example, and you're seeing how good these guys have really, really got as clay court players and how well they're moving, they, w- they will force Serena to play extra balls. There's just no, no denying that. So I think when she comes against that level of player... I, Right now, I struggle to see her winning it, but as ever, it is Serena. There's no danger she's going to talk herself out of it in the two-day gap between games. I don't think I can remember a press conference with Joanna Conta where, at some point, she hasn't said, you guys all say I can't play on clay, and we've all, in our heads, just gone, but you can't. (laughs) She's starting to prove us wrong, George, isn't she? Uh, By beating Alison Risk twice, basically. (laughs) Well, she's been on a a fabulous run, and... Uh, when she won her first match in Madrid against Risk, she'd actually won more clay court matches than the previous two years combined. Mm. Which, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's impressive. Yeah, yeah. So that was five. Um, so she obviously got to the final in Rabat. Mm. Probably could have won that realistically. Actually, you know, she was a set lost, break up lost on to Maria Sakari. Yeah. Um, so had her chances there, but I watched her in Madrid in that first round against Risk. I thought she was excellent. Played 
particularly considering she had a late night dash from Morocco to get there mm. and get into Madrid to about 1am and then was on the schedule because they had to finish matches, yeah. first round matches that day. So that was, that was a tough challenge for her, but she was great. Then she went against Halep, played a great first set, probably should have won that set as well, and then just looked fatigued and done. Well, because of course, when she it wasn't as though she cruised through in Rabat either. She, I think, had dropped sets oh, in her there, first three matches. Them, like they were much. all absolute yeah. slogs. <clears throat> Only Alia Tomljanovic, I believe, yeah. where she was able to beat in straight sets. But you know, we talk about compartmentalization. We talk about physicality with Joe. She is good at that. Like that is something that we know she's able to do. So it's almost not a surprise when reading and she says, "Oh yeah, well, I had to get off the plane at one a.m." and just you know, just go straight onto court basically after getting out of bed. Almost doesn't surprise me when she wins those matches. No, um, and I think this is this is such an interesting period in Joe's career because I think she's genuinely made serious strides forward under Xavier Loft this year. I mm. think there's a lot of belief about her. There's a lot of you know, Fed Cup was helpful from that perspective as well. You know, that was a, a really important string of the season for her, both in Bath and uh, then in East London. So I, I, I sense she's really confident. She's on the verge of getting back towards being a top 32 player. And, you know, that is just such a big thing for her in terms of getting kind of rung on the ladder in terms of Grand Slams. Um, mm. How far she can go this year is going to be a question I'm sure we'll kind of look at for a long time. But when you're looking at her right now, she's got no French open points to defend. Mm. She was out second round of Wimbledon, I think. So, I mean, if she gets to, say, round three in the French, that'll probably guarantee her a seeding for Wimbledon, I'd imagine. And then, you know, from there, if you're seeded, she's been a semi-finalist there before. She's confident. At know. home, famously doing her own baking. All, all, all that. It all come together. It sounds like good news to Joe Conta, <laughs> which is more than can be said for Carl Edmund. Joe Wilfred Songa, Diego Schwartzman, Dennis Kudler, Fabio Fanini, Fernando Vadasco. What have they all got in common? They've all beaten Carl Edmund on clay this season. He's won one match uh, against Hugo Humbert, who I believe was nominated for... Oh, no, I'm confusing with someone else there. Uh, <laughs> irrespective of who he is, he's the only bloke... I'm confusing him with Hubert Huzchak, whatever it is. going to say he's like, nominated for an Oscar or something. No, it sounds no, like he could wasn't be a nominated French actor, doesn't he? Hugo Humbert, <laughs> starring Marie Donclair and Hugo Humbert. <laughs> this is Le Piano. Uh, yes, Hugo Humbert, not nominated for Oscar that I know but he's the only (laughs) certainly not for acting as a clay court player because he's the only bloke to lose to Carl Edmund on the red stuff this year what on earth has happened I mean look clay was never necessarily his best surface although there were periods of time when he was good I mean I thought it was his I've always thought this was going to be the surface he was best on but when you go but when you go back to the beginning he wasn't good on clay. Like, it, you know, if you go back, pre-Carl Edmund being good at tennis, <laughs> when he was just like... What was he good on then? <laughs> well, no, when he was like good at FIFA and, you know, sort of British number four, I didn't look at him and think, well, that's a clay court player. Mm. And then he broke through and then he started playing amazing tennis and his game changed. And yeah, he did look decent on clay, but it's all gone to pieces again. Freddie Rosengren, please come back. Yeah, I mean, that that's probably the bottom line, really, isn't it? Mm. I think he's just missing that mental figure at the moment I mean if you take his results for the whole year in context it's pretty worrying for Kyle <laughs> like I, I you sound worried I, I am sound quite genuinely worried. worried yeah I mean was, you know he's not actually the most charismatic bloke in the world but one of the first times I've ever really heard him crack a joke was after losing to Fonini in Madrid mm. and it was that asked, is worrying it was asked <laughs> um it, kind of softly like uh, not 
not flat out like this, but to the words of, you know, is it just a case of staying calm and not mm. panicking right now? And he just went, do you think panicking would help? <laughs> like, well, you, you if might I'm not honest, be. It can't get worse, mate. Let's, let's be honest about it. I mean, some of those guys are good players. I mean, let's, let's not beat him too hard with a, a solid log, you know. Yeah. For Nini and Schwartzman, Songa is still a good player. I know he's, his ranking's maybe not showing it at mm. the moment, but they're not awful. I mean, the Dennis Cutler one's bad. Yes. That's a bad loss. Yes. But um, that could happen. You could you, feasibly, you could say that could happen, and then you throw it in with some bad draws, and you think, oh well, you know, this happens. But that's tennis. Like that, that is that is the game. You had to find ways to win matches when you're in a bad rut of form. And of course, the 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 devil of the format is that if you're playing badly, you only play four matches a month. Yeah, <laughs> like that. That's brutal. Yeah, and you know, he he was saying, look, the good thing about tennis is there's always another week. It's forgotten so quickly, and it, it would only take one week for Kyle. At the French, for example, mm. for us to be like, uh, well, this yeah. this wasn't that worth getting worried about. But but the reality is, he's on the verge of losing his seeding for slams as well. Mm. And now you've kind of got the alarm bells ringing and, and that would be time to panic for him because then if you're suddenly getting Rafa round one, then you've lost your, your round three points and then... Well, it can spiral. We saw it happen to Joe Conta, for example. It really can spiral. Um, I know he's playing a bit of doubles as well, almost in an effort to just find something. Do you think? I mean, he's obviously been touring with Neil Skipsky quite a lot. I think. Yeah, so they've they've kind of signed up to a few tournaments. He said they've picked certain ones throughout the year. I can't remember exactly which ones. It was he did kind of say. Mm. Um, but he's but he played Madrid. I think he played in Monte Carlo, yeah. and he might have said all Masters events. Right. I don't know if that actually flattens out but i can't remember if he distinguished all of them but anyway uh that's kind of by the by but he i think i think conta did that as well a lot last year when she lost her form she said i need to get on the doubles court get some more match time try and get some things right just feel almost try and try and find a way to just feel your way back into a bit of form they've got fanini and berrettini so uh, a familiar pairing at least <laughs> and uh, probably quite a fun pairing to play against i would have thought um Orcus Italian crowd. Yeah, uh, yes, of course. I mean, I don't know. Kyle probably probably thrives on that a little bit. Something just to to penetrate and try and fire him up. He? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's looking the that doubles way. Doubles doesn't really matter, I suppose, the grand scheme of things. But no, you know, but if you're doing something to spend more time on court, you know, yeah. better to do it more than less. You would think. Um, you mentioned that Dan Evans qualified for Rome as well with a, a win over Dusan Lajovic, yeah. who comes up more than he should, if I'm honest, on this podcast. <laughs> He's become a bit of a cult figure just because I seem to say his name so many times. Uh, big win for Dan, though. Yeah, very good. Um, obviously, as you mentioned before, he trained on the clay with Roger. Mm. Um, I'm sure that would have been quite nice for him to be invited to go and do that. I'm sure he wouldn't be most players' first choice for a... Uh, a clay court hit given his previous form on it but mm. it's just a sign he can win matches at the minute against good players so it doesn't matter where he's playing um he actually lost in the main draw today to casper rude um it's not very polite is it no quite rude of him yeah well done, George. um yeah so i think i think it's a sign he can win a round the French Open if he gets the right draw I mean I don't, let's not go overboard this is Dan Evans on clay but it, it's a general this sign this is Dan <laughs> Evans on clay I would watch that 
Sounds good. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we will watch some of them. Uh, well, it sounds like you're not sure we'll watch very much of him because he's not going to win a match. Well, I, I just don't know. He's, he's, he's into the main draw for the French Yeah, Open, guaranteed. Right? Yeah. Guaranteed. Same for Wimbledon. Okay. Probably probably same for the US, to be honest, because okay. he's got all his points this year, hasn't he, really? Yeah, so, pretty much. Um, we kind of had to. Yeah. So, <laughs> what were the old? Yeah, <laughs> what were the old? The old, uh, yeah, the old ban. Yeah. Um, and Katie Bolter, you're saying out of the French? I yeah, know, as well. uh, Stu Fraser from the Times broke that, uh, but it's been confirmed now. Uh, by her coach mm. um, Jerry Bates her coach that isn't was it? it yeah his name was evading me there <laughs> she would have got away with it if you hadn't said anything yeah. um, she's yeah, had a couple shame of injuries for her. shame for her well she was ill as well mm. at the start of the year um, but you know this I think a lot of people at Wimbledon were feeling this was going to be a really big summer for her certainly in the LTA there was a feeling after that Fed Cup drama that if she won a few rounds at Wimbledon, that would be a chance to kind of really promote her. That there's a danger she might not make it to Wimbledon now as well. Because, mm. you know, when you're coming in with a back injury, is grass what you want to be first stepping back onto? I mean, it, it's such a risky surface. Well, yes and no, because at least it's lower impact. I mean, no, it's it, the slip, isn't it? That's the, yeah, that's I mean, the problem. That's the I mean, real like, fear. if you slip and pull the wrong way that on a back, that's it's not ideal to yeah. first step onto. Mm. Um, I, I think that's a big shame for her, and I think there's something like she could drop to world number 170 or 80 if okay. she doesn't get back for that. So, kind of wearing time's head. But Heather Watson won a 60k as well today. We shouldn't forget. All that. right, that's good. Or yeah. yesterday. yesterday uh, I have rather. some Katie Bolter trivia for you. Oh no! Can I you name know. the football team Katie Bolter supports? Oh, Leicester. I oh, bang! That. I smashed that out. Of the... I did. I thought you'd. you'd... And no. you're wearing your Aston Villa shirt, so I assume you hate Leicester. I have no particular feelings. Oh, you have Leicester. no animus against Leicester. No. That's almost. But I know she supports them. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, as usual, uh, we are organised and commentating on live results from Rome. But we'll be back after the Italian Open on the Love Tennis podcast, probably telling you that all our predictions are entirely wrong. What are our predictions? I don't think well, you that. had basically the entire field last time. Well, no, uh, I had the no, entire. You had field. the entire field. Yeah, but you had, all, I had you had all the, and team. You had all the good players. I, we could do that one again if you like. Uh, no. <laughs> so who do you want? You want Djokovic and team? Yeah, and you can have the rest. You want me... Mm, I need to look at the draw. Are they on the same side of the draw? Djokovic is on one half. Team's in the same quarter as Rafa. Oh, I quite like that then. Yeah, all right. I'll take the rest of the field against team and Djokovic. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I don't know. The field <laughs> looks so bad at the moment. Djokovic, I'd be amazed if he didn't reach the final of this. Really? How amazed? Well, I mean... Cue him losing by the time this goes up as well. Uh, he's got. Uh, I, he's I got fi- Shapovalov first, I think. Yeah, Shapovalov followed by either Kolschreiber or Chechenato. Yeah, which is an Chechenato immu- would be a good. Well, man. I feel like maybe not on clay, but I feel like any of those three on a weird day when Djokovic just doesn't turn up could win that match. Is that weird day going to come now, though? Oh, or are we in stunned. Uber Djokovic mode? Well, I, I, hope, we'll find I, hope, out. So, I hope so, because we'll I'm, I'm taking the rest of the field against okay. Djokovic or team. Uh, and the women? Oh, good. Uh, yeah, predicting women's majors. Like, <laughs> honestly. I'll have Halep and Burton's, if you like. No. <laughs> Again, I would need to see the draw. But. So I think the quarterfinal split is Osaka Burton's, Halep Stevens, Svitolina Pliskova, and Kvitova Barty. <sighs> Do you want the top half or the bottom half? Oh, we, we're going to split the whole thing yeah, by half. Yeah, you can have the top half or the bottom half. Well, I have the top half because that's got Burton's and Halepin. Yeah. So that makes my original offer to you a lot stronger. Yeah, I should I have taken the, the original offer. <laughs> I've been screwed here. 
I should never have negotiated. <laughs> I misread the draw. I read a quarter as a half. That's why I said top half versus bottom half. I thought I had Hallop. I want Hallop, George. Well, tough. <laughs> You've got the right. bottom half. Great. I hope Ashley Barty has a good week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need it. Uh, yeah, we'll be back after the Italian Open for more absolute nonsense as usual. <laughs> uh, remember to like, subscribe, tweet, follow us on Twitter at Love Tennis Pod, and we'll be back next week. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.